It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You think about the person in your life, when you started, believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifices. When I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. Now, I want them talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Oh, enjoy your lunch. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who's been watching so much tape of Defenders, he's forgotten what the art of defending actually is. It's Nathan A. Clark. Oh, Hello, Nathan. Man, my, my brain is leaking out my ear, man. Well, you've got so many variables to look yeah. at, haven't you? It's like, will they fit Ange ball? Can they, can they dribble the ball into midfield? Can they play progressive passes? Can they run back from the halfway line? Yeah. They have to have a lot of different attributes. Yeah. Are they better than Ben Davies? <laughs> yeah, honestly, that is, like, there is genuinely a, um, like, you do have to make sure you're clearing that bar. Um, because otherwise, they need to the meet point? the Ben Davis threshold. Yeah. And like, there's a couple of there's a couple of younger players who are like, oh, you know, this kid is 19, 20 years old, and he's projecting to be like a potentially high level centre back. But right now, is he going to be an improvement on Ben Davies? You know, um, and that that's worth considering. Um, but doesn't change. And there's also the 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 player that I really do like for um, covering left back and left centre back. Um, Spoiler alert. Uh, uh, Hiroki Ito, who I've tweeted about before. My description of yes. him is: imagine if Ben Davies was a very athletic player. <laughs> that would that would right. And right now, <laughs> that the stock is rising on on what that player is. But I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to populate my list of of Romero backups, and I'm finding it very very hard because I'm looking for someone who's a, a defensively ag- aggressive. And when you highlight those players and you go watch them, a lot of them are like really good in their 1v1 duels and they're good in the ball and the technical and they're interesting to watch. And then like you go and ask around about them. It's like, oh yeah, this guy makes like 12 positional mistakes a game. He's been dropped, uh, <laughs> you know, all these kinds of things because uh, these players are tough. I'm having a, I, I always find centre-backs difficult. Uh, my takes on centre-backs that we signed have not been of the the consistency i would say of, of my other roles and I, I don't feel too bad about that and uh yeah i'm finding it tough the point being though that this is all research your next video for the um for the x-ups i assume 
Yeah, yeah. The idea is that I will then, I will, you know, I'll populate my list of these are the profiles, and then I'll talk through them a bit and show through them a bit, and do 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 a short form video and maybe do a longer form video on a couple of the more interesting ones. The good news, the good news is that my overall number one pick for this guy can come in instantly, be at the same level as as Romero and Van der Ven, and potentially cover both roles. Uh, is Jean-Claire Todibo, who we've been linked to quite strongly in the last few days, as well as prior to that. Um, <laughs> and the bad news is that there's no way that we should be able to land him when he could be first choice at several other <laughs> similarly well-paid so, clubs, right? Well, this is the other thing is he, he plays for Nice, who are currently second in the league. Yep. Um, so I guess there's partly an argument of like, why would he leave right now? Because his side are challenging for the title. But also... He has a contract until 2027. They're second in the league. They don't need to sell low. He's going to cost a lot of money, right? Yeah, and uh, for me, <laughs> uh, the owner of Nice is also the owner of Man United, and Man United desperately needs good uh. centre-backs. So, like, <laughs> you know, it, in a just world, so that shouldn't be a factor. But, you know, that ain't the situation. Uh, who, would, who would go to United right now? They are an absolute Fair shit enough. show. Um, little, little greenwashing uh, update... <laughs> Uh, because we're still getting lots of emails from from kind listeners to let us know when when they spy uh, oil company adverts on the podcast. I think I think we've now closed the loop. Um, the problem was that uh, our good friend at Acast hadn't updated our block list. So basically, I submitted a new block list because some other stuff was coming up, and in submitting the the new block list, it wiped out everything. So stuff that was on the pre existing block list was then getting through. So you shouldn't have ever had adverts for oil companies because it was already on the block list. But in resubmitting it, it set us back to, to nothing. So there was a brief period there where people were hearing stuff they would not normally hear on the Extra Inch podcast adverts. Um, if you ever feel like you've heard something that, that doesn't seem to fit the ethos of the pod, please do let us know, podcast at the extrainch.co.uk, and we'll try and figure that out but um yeah appreciate your support with this i think we've done all we can in terms of you know pointing out in quite a lot of detail why these are bad adverts and why we don't want them on the pod so you know we've been paid a little bit of money by bp for (laughs) for essentially saying that they're shit um and and horrible um so that that, that's a little that makes me feel a little bit a bit better about it but um yeah it's not ideal that they made it through the through the block list but these things happen um well you can tell we're putting off talking about nottingham forest because <laughs> keep going keep going let's talk more about yeah. greenwashing oh my oh, goodness but it wasn't the best game was it no it wasn't i missed the game live because i had a, a christmas do but i do find it funny we're talking about chopping down forests <laughs> after um all the greenwashing stuff so it's quite after nice forest chopped us down okay <laughs> <laughs> that's true but it's nice to keep this kind of destroying the planet theme going um i've caught up on it on the highlights um the youtube match of date all the rest of it and um as someone who didn't watch the game 2-0 what are you worried about it was pretty straightforward no <laughs> you'd think so um and it started off well nathan i thought you know we we initially looked okay and then very quickly uh well i mean it all fell apart when brennan johnson got a head injury really um, and Skip came on, um, Kulusevski moved out wide, Skip played the sort of, God, Skip played the Madison role. Can you believe that? Oliver Skip played the Madison role. Um, 
and we just had nothing in midfield. It was really we were struggling to progress the ball, and we we looked a bit of a mess. Hmm. No, I feel worse than that. Um, I wow. I wasn't too happy with our opening thirty minutes. I didn't think that was great. Um, so Forrest played. Um, Forrest played a five-three-two defensive shape in a sort of a medium low block, and they were super super aggressive on the wingers. The wingers were Sun and Johnson, um, so they didn't let them turn. Oh, I was—I forgot—I was going to tweet. Uh, Sun went two for six on dribbles <laughs> um, against Nico Williams against Nico as well. Williams. You know, he's—he's he's not a good defender, in my opinion. Uh, Neko Williams <laughs> for the for the differentiation. Um, so yeah, uh, we're really struggling to get the ball down the wide areas, and then occasionally um, we would go from one wing, start working it towards the other, and then there would be a moment where there was space open in the middle and Kulisowski would, would pull off a magic, magic trick. And um, that wasn't counting for a lot. Obviously, you take mm. a 30-minute sample and you say, okay, what well, the shots, that can be a little tough, but we weren't doing great. Probably, probably we're going to grind out a win as long as we score before 60 minutes kind of thing. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it, for me, it wasn't the case that you know. If you go back to you go back to the Chelsea game, it's like, oh yeah, we were flying, we we're absolutely flying for thirty minutes, and then a terrible <laughs> thing happened. Uh, this was this was off to a bad start, and then it got worse, and then it got worse again. <laughs> and also, we won in, uh, in in a weekend where teams have played pretty bad, and mm. um, yeah, the sort of Man United Liverpool game was 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 absolute trash. Man City drew. Is this a case of Spurs just Spurs grinding out a result and showing some character, or is this warning signs? I think you could look at it either way, to be honest. I think that uh, Steve Cooper is a good manager, first and foremost. Sure. Um, tactically, he's, he's sharp, he's smart. Um, actually, it was, I, I did find it a bit weird watching this Forest team because hyper-aggressive, hyper-physical, very tall mm. Forest team who played lots of balls into the channels... That didn't um, tally with what I've seen of, of Steve Cooper's sides in the past, where they normally play through the midfield a bit more. And so I did find that interesting. You know, perhaps he's just adaptable and he's adapting to the circumstances he finds himself in. But um, he is a good manager, I believe. And I do think he, he kind of got the better of Ange, certainly defensively, and, and the system worked well. They kind of, um, they played with two forwards, but those two forwards were... Uh, Alanga and Gibbs White, and they both played quite wide as forwards. They they weren't c- too connected, I don't think. Nathan, would you agree? with Yeah, that? I mean that's how uh, Brennan, when Brennan Johnson used to play as a forward for us. He would play as a, a very much a wide forward. Um, with mm. Obviously, won't you playing a more a little more central when he when he was the strike partner? Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, definitely splitting wide in possession, but also both tracking into pretty deep defensive positions and not pressuring the mm. centre backs much at all defensively. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some good stuff to say about this game as well. In that Kulusevski was oh. once again really, really impressive. Uh, he is in incredible form. I think he's been uh, for me. Kulusevski, Poro, Son, Vicario, I, I would say have been our best players this season. I think you, and you, like, all of them would be in a shout for um, player of the season if they carried on this level of form. But Kulusevski in the last few has really stepped up and taken on a lot of extra responsibility and, and that seems to suit him, I think. 
I think so. He's been brilliant. I think we've become the Kuliseski team and it's it's sometimes it's just his physicality and just willingness to do stuff that gets us through games. I thought he was, you know, he, he was really good against Newcastle without getting the kind of plaudits or the goals yeah. or assists that kind of us in this kind of fantasy football world we we live in. I thought it was, yeah, I thought he deserved more from, from that performance. But it was, it's great to see him making a difference and, and scoring goals. He's been really impressive. Mm. Equally, I thought Richarlison put in another really good shift. Um, excellent header, general good scrapping, some decent centre-forward hold-up play, which was pleasing to see. And um, Ben Davis was really, really solid. And we'll definitely talk about him um, a bit more. But there were lots of issues to discuss. Um, let's start with Skip. Uh, so Ben W says, with a busy Christmas period incoming, is now the time to try skip at the six? It feels clear that he's not working as an eight, and I think he may benefit from starting games similarly to Lacelso struggling to get into games from the bench. Um, plus, we've seen that Hoybier, who is already not everyone's cup of tea, definitely struggles when he's overplayed. Um, similarly, Adamalist says, please, can we be patient with Skip? He's a young player who's shown promise. He's averaged 17 minutes per game under Ange. He's played further forward than he's used to. How much better can we reasonably expect a third or lower choice, six slash eight to be? Um, so my view on Skip right now is I really like Skip as a player. I think he's got a lot of um, good attributes. I think we have been quite patient with Skip over a long period of time and I think it's now time to cut him loose because I don't see a fit for him in Angeball. I think he's not press resistant enough to play the six. He's not agile enough to play the eight and he's not creative enough to play the 10. So I'm left wondering, okay, where does Skip play? Like maybe he could play as backup right back, maybe. Um, but other than that, I just do not see a place for him in this team. I think six is the best fit for him, but uh, none of them are great. And I'm I'm kind of a bit worried that we are going to see more of him over the coming games because we, we could, like with Basuma out injured, we're going to need him. And um, that doesn't fill me with joy. How about you guys? Yeah, I well, uh, in this game particularly, uh, we were struggling creatively, as I said, before the 30th minute. And then um, Skip came on. And obviously, of course, we were playing with 11 men for, for the next 39 minutes. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Um, and we just really, really suffered um, um, for that decision, um, which sounds like I'm hugely criticizing Skip. I'm not because I'm saying you're putting, um, uh, Postacoglu put a, a pretty defensive player um, who might be keen to arrive in the box, but isn't a creative player, isn't a progressive player really. Um into that into that sort of number ten role, um, yeah. So we we lost basically all creativity except for Kulusevski. Then dug mm. out uh, a fantastic cross out of very little. Actually, nice waiting on the pass from was it Saar? Because Saar's mm-hmm. pass played it slightly ahead into Kulusevski's path, which means he can fake that he's going to try to run on and then create the space for the cutback, where so many times we see that our wingers receive the ball and they have to turn back facing their own goal to receive it. So so some credit to Saar there, who otherwise had a difficult game. We should talk about that in a minute. Um, yeah, Kulusevski sort of basically summoned two goals out of nothing, um, and we did very little creatively outside of that. Um, and yeah, certainly Skip coming into that role is difficult. I think um, on the bench we would have had Valise, Donnelly, and Hill, so um I think that I think that it made sense 
in isolation to move Kulisewski into a wide area because um, because Son and Johnson were just getting completely shut down and we had no wide progression at all, right? So in isolation, getting Kulisewski, someone who's going to find a way to make something happen when they're being closed down, makes some sense. But then you need to try to recreate some creativity in the middle as well. So so if, for example, you'd brought like Valise on and then moved Richarlison over to the right or something, that would have been pretty difficult too. So Hill struggled when he's played. And then obviously Donnelly's the only factor. So I'm not saying that there's an easy answer there, but I guess tactically Donnelly would have made the most sense. Again, I, I understand why that's that's unlikely, but that's still my position. So a difficult pick for Postacoglu, but I'm still frustrated at him, even though we, oh no, and also we won, right? <laughs> we won the game. His mm-hmm. his decision led to a win. Um, and we were obviously better able to see out the later situation where we had 10 men. Um, because, you know, if Donnelly was asked to play, you know, in a midfield two, that's a difficult situation or whatever. Um, but now talking about Skip as a whole, uh, he's 23, which in the in the context of how great the squad is actually not that young. He has mm-hmm. he has about 8,000 career minutes, f- nearly 4,000 of which came for Norwich, but 1,500 in the league last season and nearly the same again the season before. So he's not an unknown quantity. He's not lacking a run of games. He's had a run of games um, in two different seasons and he's been okay. And that is okay. It's okay to be okay in the context of the best league in the world. Um, mm-hmm. He can go on and have a very good career as a professional footballer. Um, and I understand the benefits of him being homegrown and someone who can play a couple of roles in the squads. So he's not the first player out the door. Um, but I am finding his frequent appearances for us at the moment are a little frustrating. Anything you'd like to add, Bardi? Uh, I think it's really difficult for for Skip to try and fit into this team. He's he's just not he's just not well suited. He's not the player that ideally we want. And I, like you, Wendy, I'm concerned. I don't want to in your kind of post match podcast, you you didn't want to start skip bashing. And I, I don't really want to do that either because he's he's young and he's English and he's, that's my kind of Spurs player. So I just feel a bit sad that it's it's not going to work for him. Um I don't see him working as a six and I don't see him working as a box to box. I think Andrew's spoken about doing stuff early in January and I think a midfielder would be pretty useful because I just don't see anyone else else in the club able to to step in and, and help I I don't even think giving him more minutes like what happened to the Celso is going to be able to to change it I don't think this is a form issue I think it's a stylistic problem mm. yeah I tend to agree um, on the subject of the midfield Mitch Burden says I've been thinking ahead to the midfield conundrum we've got coming in January with Basuma, Saar, Madison and Benton caught out plus rumours the Celso could be sold too Kulosevsky looks a revelation in midfield, but Son missing also leaves us short along the front line. Is there any possibility Pedro Porro could be deployed as a conventional right winger with Royale sitting behind him? And uh, in our in our pre-pod chat, I was saying to Nathan, the only, only other option, if Postacoglu didn't want to play Donnelly or Hill or um, Feliz or whoever, was Emerson Royale coming on for Brennan Johnson and Pedro Porro either moving into midfield with Kulosevsky moving wide, or Pedro Porro playing as an out-and-out right winger. The problem with that, of course, is Pedro Porro is crucial to our ball progression, and he's doing extremely well as a inverted fullback, so you'd lose that with Emerson Royale coming in. So, you know, the difficult decisions for Postacoglu and, and things to weigh up and trying to work out, like, what's best at different times of, of different matches, but... Um, how do you guys feel about Porro changing position temporarily in January? I think in this game, I would have preferred it to skip coming on. I'll say that much. Um, 
in terms of January ahead, that doesn't feel that doesn't feel good enough for a run of games. Um, I'd have to really think through the rest of the squad and other options and when the games are and when the window opens and who's potentially back from injury when to be certain about how much sense that makes for January. But uh, it's not hugely appealing. There's this um, there's this film called Nowhere. It's on Netflix. It's a Spanish movie. I don't know if you've seen it. Where this this lady gets stuck in a shipping container out at sea, and it's <laughs> it's so stupid. But the the shipping container's sinking. So let's think of Tottenham as the the shipping container. And I <laughs> I think I think by moving Poro out of the position he's in now, all you're doing is just sticking your finger in one hole, and then the water's coming out somewhere else. He's, that's not a solution. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree for maybe thirty minutes here and there, but I think if you're if your plan to get through January is to move Poro, who's one of our best players this season, out of where he's really being effective somewhere else, you're not gonna you're not gonna stay afloat. Eventually, it's gonna sink. It's gonna be worse. So, um, yeah, I think we need to buy someone or loan someone. Yeah, I think in this game where Forrest weren't really pressing us and we were able to get the ball forward, however, for the first couple of lines, having Emerson Royale in that in that position and and Poro further forward would have been fine. But um, but throughout a run of games of January. That that can seriously harm the way we play at the back, so mm. so probably not. I, I do think we're going to see some experimentation over the coming weeks uh, because of all the injuries and now suspensions as well. Uh, Sam Ray actually makes an interesting point. He he says uh, after watching the Newcastle match, he had a bit of a hot take. Would it be so bad to sell the Celso? in late January for a good fee. Um, convinced he is that Kulisewski can play that midfield role. Uh, and, and I'm kind of on board with that concept. Like, I I really like Celso. I'm not against him staying generally, but he's injured again. He is so unreliable in terms of being available for matches. And if we can get a good fee for him from a Spanish team, I kind of like the idea of keeping him around for January and then selling him right at the end of the window. It's just pointless at the moment because it doesn't matter how good he is if he's not if he can't stay fit and put a run of games together he's he, he's not he doesn't serve any use to us mm. and he's just taking a squad space and that's money I think I think we well I said anyway that he's had a good run of form sell him now while while his stock is high because mm. we can't continue like this he 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 can't put a run of five or six games together to even help us out of this situation. Mm. And uh, of course, one of the best attributes of of your favourite Hoybier is that he is always available. I think it's a really, <laughs> it has been a very important quality yeah. of his. We're going to need him now because Basuma uh, got himself sent off. So Joel Hooten says, "I'm such a fan of Basuma, like all of us at the start of the year. Now I'd be happy to sell him for another player. Oh, wow. How much of our ups and downs and rashness is chalked up to youth? All of these players are quite young." Is this a stupidity issue or a maturity one? I think Basum is 26, I want to say. He might even be a fraction older. He's not a kid. Yeah, he should know better. I mean, that was a really... he Basically, he miscontrolled the ball, and in trying to then go and recover, he made a lunge, and I'm sure he instantly regretted it, and he looked absolutely devastated coming off the pitch, but it's four games he's going to miss. It's, he's out a long time. It's, it's so disappointing, and of course that does comes in and plays six for the next however many games. How did you feel about that Basuma decision? Could you uh, could you read Harry Sherlock's question for us? Uh, so, Harry Sherlock says, is Ange's high-octane style of football ultimately to blame for the repeated yellow and red cards i wonder if our fouls are noticed more regularly because we're so front-footed when we don't have the ball so i think the reason i wanted you to ask this question because i I do think it's 
I think it's probably relevant to the mm. to the Basuma incident, um, and probably relevant to somewhat to our general high number of red cards mm. this season. Mm. Although obviously you have to consider the Romero factor. Um, I mean, obviously, like that Basuma's red card in this game comes off the back of like our possession. It's not that <laughs> that we were defending a, a, a transition. Basuma has a loose touch because he tries to turn with the, a difficult ball, right? So it's that sort of you know all those things that we loved about this season being brave. We never stop taking it to the opposition, never clearing, always wanting to have the ball. Also leads to a situation where you get a loose ball in a large amount of space and a, and a difficult situation after a after a one mistouch, miscontrol from a player who's good at controlling the ball, right? So I think that uh, with that context, but otherwise looking at this situation um, in isolation, I might I might just say that about the incident. But I think when you also remember what happened against Luton, mm-hmm. uh, you might say, um, does Basuma have this tendency for just sort of um, I don't know losing concentration? Maybe what's the what's uh, what's another term for what I'm looking for here? Tactical. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what's the Conteism? Um, uh, lacking in the tactical element. <laughs> <laughs> there is um, there is a point to this though. So um, Spurs have made the most tackles this year mm. out of all Premier League teams. We've made like 100 more tackles than Man City. Wow. Um, that's about 70 or about seven. My maths is rubbish, but it's about 50 to 70 tackles more than Arsenal. So there is no team in the top four who are currently in the top four in the league anywhere near us in terms of tackles. We're, we're right at the top with Crystal Palace, Everton and some proper cloggers like <laughs> Sheffield United and, and Forest and that kind of stuff. We're also the, the joint third most booked team um, alongside Sheffield United, Chelsea, those lot. And Basuma is the guy that's committed the mm. most foul. So I do think there is something in this about Spurs' their, their aggression. And Ben Davies was praised for being really aggressive. Be, be aggressive. All I, I've got that stupid cheerleader chant <laughs> in my head every time I watch Spurs. And we are really aggressive and we do go for the ball. And these things will happen, but they can't keep happening. You know, they can't. I understand getting booked, but that was that was reckless. That was like mm. the Romero tackle. There's there's a fine line, man. We don't want to lose aggressiveness, but we want to lose the recklessness. That's that's what I would like to see us. Buddy, good tactical observation back with statistics, man. That's... Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> this is new me. No more no more wild takes and just, just building a hill for the sake of it. <laughs> I don't want to keep losing money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think there is something broader in it, and it feels really frustrating uh, because Forrest kicked us off the park. Yeah, you man. know, so R- Ryan Yates made foul after foul after foul on our players. He also waved the imaginary yellow card twice, which is meant to be a bookable offence. Um, mm. And I don't think he. Did he get booked? I don't think he even got booked. Maybe late in the game he got booked. Um, but it felt like quite cruel almost that, that he went unpunished. Didn't get booked. Whereas um, Udogi got a booking for a decision which wasn't even a foul, probably, and now misses the next game. And Basuma made a, a genuine attempt to play the ball, albeit reckless, and gets a red. So 
it it does feel quite cruel um, as a Spurs fan at the moment. I think we're so fouled and um, feeling so sort of got at because we have a lot of the ball and we play quick football and it tempts players into tackles and tempts them to play, to make uh, sort of cynical fouls to break the game up. So we can expect to be fouled a lot. Um, but you make a good point, Barty. We're, we're also fouling a lot because we want to win the ball back. We we press high. We, we want to stamp our authority in the game and uh, ruffle the feathers of the opposition team. So there's a lot of fouls in Spurs games at the moment. Um, Nathan, you wanted to talk about Saar as well. Yeah, yeah. Just, just Sorry, probably not worth a whole section. Just like um, this game made for another example, especially on the back of... Um, especially on the back of the Newcastle game where he really starred um, that he would then follow that up with a game against a low block and his tendency to really um, telegraph his passes would would cost us possession a handful of times and and uh, him otherwise not not really shine that he's he's a great player for um, back and forth open games where there's lots of space and um, and struggled here. He does this thing where, uh, and I have done this in video form before, he will like, he's got the ball. He turns his entire body to the play he's going to pass to. He begins dribbling towards the play he's going to pass to. He does a huge back lift with his passing foot and then he plays the pass and it's like, that gets that got read like three times <laughs> against against Forest um, because because they have the play ahead all all of the players ahead of them and they're ready there to pounce the whole time. You you've got to have a bit more guy than what you do. So don't don't want to have a big huge go. Don't want to try to reconsider Sar as a player. Just a continuing of the previous observation. Great in the big games, less good in the low block games. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I've noticed this. He, he did the same thing twice in the first half against Newcastle where he kind of telegraphed the pass he was about to make and, and it got it got intercepted. And one of the times Gordon had a real good chance to set a teammate free and blew it. Um, so when I used to play football as a very young child, I remember one of the things my coach used to say to me was let the ball do the work. So, you know, you don't need to run towards your teammate and, and pass the ball because the ball will get there quicker if you just play the pass. But um, so so I come at it from a point of view of, you know, I naturally would rather him just play the pass early rather than run towards his teammate with the ball and then play a pass. Um, however, Ange likes us to play over short distances. He likes our players to be close to one another and to play quick, short, sharp passes in triangles. So I guess Sar's intention is to reduce the distance between him and his teammate and therefore make the pass less risky. The unfortunate thing is he then telegraphs the pass as well. So he's closer, good, but telegraphs it bad. Does that make sense? I don't think it's that. I don't think that does make sense because I would just say that like the start of the action is the beginning of the carry towards the pass. So he's not making a short, he's not making a quick pass because you've got to include the prior action yeah. in the overall yeah. action, yeah. right? Um, I I think it's a I think it's just a technical issue. I think that he he he's not comfortable. He's not sufficiently comfortable passing the ball across his body. Yeah. He wants to he wants to get his hips aligned in a certain way. Um, I still I think I still think you can make up for that with with more guile. That there's a way of of him getting better with that. And I think to be honest, I think he already has gotten better with that. Um, just not to a to a level where the the issues disappeared completely. Mm. But I I think we've already spoken too long about this. Yeah, it's not yeah, a big deal. Yeah. It's not a huge deal. I, I think also, you know, the way we play and the way we train will naturally see the technical level of our players improve because the the training that they're doing will be so high octane and they'll have to move the ball so quickly. 
Um, you know, it's been a criticism of me with Skip. I, th- I think he lingers on the ball a little bit too long for, for Angelo. He can't quite keep up with the pace of the rest of the team. And when he comes on, he looks really slow and stodgy. Um, and I do think the same is the case for Saar. The technical passing level is, is not quite there, but it will improve. And the thing with Saar is he has a lot of the other attributes. He's got the game intelligence. He's He's got the, the body shape. He covers so much ground. So there's there's a lot of benefits to Saar, whereas I don't think Skip has those same benefits. Agree. Uh, Matt Healing says, is Gentle Ben quietly becoming a very, very solid centre-back? He reminds me of Jan's left-back centre-back hybrid. Not rapid, but not slow at all, and very comfortable in most offensive and defensive situations, which makes him a really decent option in this setup. Would you take a punt on Lloyd Kelly and Jan, or put it into the pot for a so- tap sober in the summer, in the hope that we can rely on Ben stepping up when we face absences through injuries, or just pure reckless stupidity i'm not getting sucked into <laughs> this um this gentle ben redemption arc like i did last time where i said he was the new paolo maldini <laughs> moved from left back to center back which is also a very familiar tale for for Batonga. And i think ben is doing a good job which is great i i think like we we said maybe last week or the week before he's kind of the emergency of getting a left-sided center back has been that fire has been put out yeah. and instead we just need to focus on the right hand side i don't think he's a very very solid center back i just think he's doing a decent job the fire's out but there are still some embers and some smoke mm. in my opinion i think sooner or later teams are going to start punting the ball into our left channel and realize that he's not as fast on the turn as van der ven and i'm a little scared for that he's done well um uh, i'm really glad that he's in the squads i'm really glad that he's getting you know been getting minutes um ahead of you know emerson royale or even eric dyer um but um he's definitely not a sustainable long-term centre-back future so we do need to address backup left centre-back at some stage just slightly less urgently than before um played well against forest but had a lot of time on the ball really loved his his goal-saving touch versus newcastle um been solid uh solid but gentle so praise for what he's done but let's not get carried away we still need to improve our centre-back situation quite desperately yeah i would agree i think um been really pleasantly surprised by how well he's fit in um i think even his distribution has been at a higher level than i expected i think sure. his defending has been not gentle actually i think he's been very kind of brave and aggressive sure okay um yeah. but he's slow he's quite old he, he turns slowly um we can 100 percent do better than than ben davis over a period of time for now though you know he's been a brilliant brilliant stand-in and i'm i'm really pleased for him and for us that we've had him here's a question for you and the listeners to ponder can you guess who i am not me but this person <laughs> i won a european trophy for an italian team and an international trophy in italy but i'm not italian i joined tottenham from france but i'm not french I left Spurs to go back to my country of birth, but still managed to win a trophy in England. Who am I? God. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you and the listeners are stuck... Here's a little clue. I rejoined Tottenham from Italy. Who am I? I'm Jürgen Klingsmann. Oh, God's sake. <laughs> Jesus. God, that's... I, yeah. God. <laughs> so, God, talk us through the, the, the moves he made. So, um, Jürgen Klingsmann, he, he won a UEFA Cup in Italy for Inter Milan and then also won a World Cup at Italia 90 in Italy. He then joined Monaco after Inter had a disaster of a season and he was at Monaco for a little bit before then he fell out with the coach and he joined us from Monaco. So he came back to Spurs but then famously he left when um, Alan Sugar said he wouldn't wash his car with his shirt and he went back to Germany. But he came back to England in 96 to win Euro 96 in England. He then after leaving Bayern, he went back to Italy to Sampdoria and then joined us um, under Christian Gross, I imagine. On yeah, it was on loan from Samp and helped us survive relegation. And Jurgen Klingsmann was one of the players to feature in the TEI Bardi's top players for Spurs advent calendar, which is approaching its climax. And then he went to Orange County Blue Star. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's attempted he's going to ruin our season by calling up Hyunbing Sun to the to the Asian yeah. Cup <laughs> man a state Asian's dream Jürgen Klinsmann he has been about the place eh if you're a long time listener you might know I've been drinking AG1 for quite a while I absolutely love it it's part of my routine it's part of what I get up to every morning right now it's the season of goodwill and cheer and if like Basuma you find yourself with very little to do over the festive period <laughs> But drink and indulge. It's good to know that at least you're starting every morning with the right decisions and the right base in place. AG1 gives me that sweet, sweet Kulisewski delivery of goodness. It makes sure I'm tip-top all the time, not just in December. Richarlison has showed us all, when you feel good, you perform good. So when you're making your New Year's resolutions, make better decisions. Be more AG1, be more Bardi, and less like a rash Basuma. 2024 is the year of complete players, proper decisions, and no 10-toes tackles. Just loads and loads of nutritional supplements in your body. Happy holidays, my AG1 friends. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. Annoyingly, I did think Klinsman, and I thought, I don't think he played for, in France. And But then I remembered, of course he did. We joined from... You, yeah. That's why you, you're not on these quizzes, Wendy. Be more, be more teach. Yeah. Just yeah. yeah. Um, Abid David says, couple of games recently where we've started the game really dominating teams, creating multiple chances and scoring. Second half with tactical adjustments by the oppos- opposition team and maybe mental and physical fatigue on our part and injuries, we get worked out. Our effectiveness drops off and we give up chances without creating as much. Next season, with full Angeball and a stronger squad, does the same thing happen, albeit over the course of a season? 
We, well, by we start strong, but the league's, league works out how to counter our high-possession, high-risk game, and we get picked off again and again. Nathan, this is something we've spoken about a little bit across the season. I don't think it was necessarily the case against Forest for the reasons you've already said, but do you think uh, we will get as easily... We will get found out. Will, will opposition teams have the better of Postacoglu and come on strong in the second half? Hmm... Um, I think that I think I've been surprised how little of back fives we've seen up against us, and I think that the Forest game is a good example of the effectiveness of not allowing our wingers to turn. We have seen that a little before opening day against Brentford, and then there was another. Hmm, was it Fulham? Someone didn't didn't else didn't let our wingers turn. Um, uh, Sheffield United probably. So we've probably seen more of that in terms of just like finding us out. Um. That's doable now due to our injuries because you can say here's a weak point and you can focus on it. I think that will be quite hard to find out um, when we either have this season uh, enough players back or hopefully in future we've got sufficient depth to always um, provide something. And then, of course, uh, hitting the the 1v1 specialist button eh, eh, once we have a 1v1 specialist in the squad. Um, uh that will make us really hard to stop in my opinion i was um the other night uh, like uh like 2am <laughs> i was messing around doing what like doing what i imagine people think tactics nerds do which is playing around with like um my lineup graphic and like trying to work out how a 343 could set up in the low medium and high defensive blocks and jump up the wing back to the full back in certain moments and stuff like that as in like if i had a totally tactical flexible squad how would i set up against postacoglu and uh, i think a 343 with super aggressive wing backs would be I think that would be the way to do it um, in order to have like a really aggressive medium block and occasionally press high. Um, but the obviously the ability for any given squad to just do that for a for an upcoming weekend fixture isn't isn't that easy. Um, and then of course yeah, and then Forrest played the back five and kicked the crap out of Sunny all game. So I don't know. I don't see a way for us to be found out. Like for me, um, Guardiola is you know, the best tactician on the planet. And he came prepared for Spurs with a diamond midfield where his wingers tucked in and tracked our fullbacks across the pitch. And then we subbed Hoybjerg on, played with a two-man midfield and, and, and you know, were were tactically equal or better to City. Um, so um, it always feels like the current working methods <laughs> could never possibly be outdone. Of, of course, the tactical game will evolve around and 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 beyond the way that we're currently playing. But I think that, in short, we will be very hard to find out uh, anytime soon. There's there's a real obsession with people getting people being worried about being found out <laughs> or worked out. I don't I don't think it it doesn't happen that way. Like Pochettino didn't get found out. Pochettino Pochettino lost his central midfield anchor. Yeah, he had two injuries in Wanyama and Dembele that just crippled the central midfield, and they he was unable to kind of re- replace them. Sissoko Winks just weren't proper replacements. Man City have they been found out? I think this is more about Pep losing De Bruyne yeah. 
and Haaland having a bit of a funk. And then also Pep's um, fear of, of counter-attacking teams, of dead ball specialists and filling his team full of massive West Brom players. <laughs> so I think he hasn't been found out. He's almost second-guessed himself. And I think his team is so far away from what you would classify a classic Pep team. I think he's almost kind of got inside his own head. And I think I, think I wouldn't be surprised to see him step away from City because I think, I think he's losing his, his own personality at the moment there. So uh, I think there's a natural cycle to every kind of team, but I don't think Spurs have been found out right now because I don't even think Spurs know who they are themselves. So I wouldn't get too worried about our second half drop-offs. I think that's to do with individuals just not being up to scratch and uh, fatigue and injuries. Barney's already mentioned early transfer window dealings. We're getting quite close now to the transfer window being open. And I've actually seen some... um, some murmurings on Twitter and Instagram that we might have started our business already um, by signing a fifth... Wait, wait. Instagram now for ITK as well. This isn't IT... Well, I suppose it is ITK technically, but apparently we've signed a 15-year-old striker from Glentoran called George Feeney, who is the son of Warren Feeney, who played for Bournemouth in the early noughties. Uh, Feeney is a player I had actually heard of uh, because... He scored as a 15-year-old for Glentoran's first team um, and then got, or maybe was already in the Ireland under-17 squad, so is playing up two age groups, which is quite impressive. He's, he's made five appearances for Glentoran. I hope I'm pronouncing that team name right. That's how I've always said it, and I'll probably get Irish people yelling at me now. Um, so that that's quite exciting. I did watch the under-18 game at the weekend um i've seen a few of their games this season they lost at the weekend to west ham they lost 4-2 west ham were very very good at this level at the moment they have a brilliant number 10 who uh, is very exciting um spurs have a couple of really really promising players um some you'll know about mikey moore is injured at the moment but he's he's obviously the the pick of the bunch you might have heard of Callum Olasezi and Tyrese Hall, who are very promising midfielders. Uh, and actually, Olasezi played as number 10 in this game, and I felt like that was a bit of a problem for us. I think we needed him earlier in build-up, and uh, that might have been one of the reasons why we struggled a little more. Uh, but there is another player who I really, really like, and I don't think I've heard or seen him mentioned too much. He's called Leo Black, and he is a inverted right back um they are playing a little bit of angeball leo black reminds me of kyle walker peters in some ways uh he's a bit more passy than walker peters probably but he plays right back in the defensive phase he joins in midfield when we've got the ball and he's a good dribbler good passer pops up in the opposition box really good really good all-round player i'm i'm very keen on him i think he is is one to watch i'd like to think that we've got some sort of fast track route uh being planned for him he's not the biggest so that he'll he'll need to to bulk out a little bit before he gets any first team time i imagine but i would like to think we're getting him involved in first team training sometime soon and getting him involved with the 21s regularly as well because he's very talented uh tactically really smart really talented lad um nathan what are you thinking about the january window reports in the uh press today that we want to sign three players if i had to guess i would guess center back number six striker striker just because just because we're gonna lose son for a lot of january and also he's old uh, Valise isn't ready yet, and um, Richarlison can fit in out wide as well. So I feel like uh, another forward 
I mean, obviously you want a dribbly winger. Yeah. But it's not going to yeah. happen in January, Yeah, we've is got it? two good strikers. What's, he's scoring goals now. We, we, <laughs> but we're not, we're not signing a dribbly winger in January, are we? That's a summer, that's yeah. a summer target. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'd do. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we desperately need a centre-back, obviously. Um, so the, the, we talked about this a little earlier, but I'm drawing up three lists. I've talked about this a little before as well. Um a list of high-level players who could potentially come in and cover either role with Tadebo being my number one option. Um, and then some players who could, like, you know, be like Ben Davies and cover left centre-back and left-back or cover right centre-back and right-back. Struggling with my, with my with my right-footers on that list. Um, but I think that, yeah, essentially, if you can cover both with one transfer, even if it's an expensive transfer, that does a hell of a lot for our squad. Um, but then you could probably make the same case for having a, a right footer who could cover right back and right centre back yeah. so that, you, you know, you don't have to bring Emerson Royale into the squad. So tough one. Yeah. And then um, obviously we need some solution to Basuma being um, first suspended and then away. Um, and I believe that our current solution is Hoybjerg and or Skip, uh, which I don't feel great about. I've talked about my, my solutions for for that again and again. Uh, Rosando Jr. being the top one and then um, yeah I would definitely bring in a 1v1 specialist um, as a high priority as soon as possible because I think that that will uh, transform our attack for the rest of the season I think you're right but they signed Solomon and Johnson in the summer so I don't think that they believe that is a priority oh god the, the report the other day uh, coming from two different sources of which I think one was Dan Kilpatrick and maybe one was The Athletic in some variety was Spurs are looking at signing either a striker or a left winger due to Sun's versatility. Okay. Which for me is, is quite a bad misread in my opinion mm. on Sun's ability on the left because okay he skinned up the corpse of Kieran Trippier a couple of times um, but he really struggled against, against Forrest. Meanwhile he's absolutely bagging goals in the middle of the pitch especially at least when there's space to run into and otherwise there's Richarlison. So for me, it would be crazy to go for a striker when, in my opinion, we've got two good strikers and zero trippy mm. <laughs> creative uh, both-siders. Um, and, and yeah, and obviously with um, with Kulusevsky now moving in from the right and, and, and being really excellent in the middle, um, it means that you can look at, at, at right-siders, at left-footers, um, again, my my position is that we're looking for a player who can go both ways, and therefore they should also be able to play on both sides. But that doesn't work perfectly. Um, but there are so uh, Matthias Sule, who's a Frosinone on loan from Juve, who, and they're looking to sell. Apparently, um, is a is a left footed right sider, and then also uh, Bakayoko at PSV, same thing. Um, John Youngblood had asked about Bakayoko and Noosa as options on the wing. So Noosa, I really like Noosa's Noosa's high on my list. Uh, he's he's operating in Belgium, which is obviously not the highest level league. And the same goes for Bakayoko. Is that if you want a player who's going to like bam come in impact immediately, rather than be another player who is at the level of Hill, uh, Solomon, um, <laughs> and, and so on. If you want someone who's like 
guarantee that level is someone from the Eredivisie or Belgium going to come in and do that you know in their second or third match maybe quite possibly and these are really fun players but but um they should have been who we signed instead of Sullivan right they should have been they should have been who we signed as a summer transfer as a, as a perspective let's see how they do for a season um whereas right now if we're looking at improving the first 11 in my opinion that's what this transfer needs to do then you're much safer going for a player who's already operating in the top five league and therefore Sule would be, uh, um, he stands higher on that basis. So the other top five league players are Amin Loriente, it's a Sulu, um, Savio is Girona, although Girona are a top Ooh, of the league and f- absolutely flying. I was, yeah. I was about to say, I know it's it's not an it's not obvious, it's, it's a pretty obvious choice because they're doing the incredible, but, but that boy can run he, and that boy could dribble. Oh boy, he can he, run and dribble. <laughs> He's, get him yeah. go, go get him he's, he's cheap as well gotta be cheap maybe I, I mean, the thing is, so um, he's technically on loan from ooh who is it I can't remember PSV, mm, PSV. no he is let me look this up because it's kind of interesting the boy's amazing honestly um, I, 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 don't, I don't watch La Liga but yeah I watched the um, I, obviously I watched the Barcelona <laughs> I watched the, the Barcelona game and whoosh yeah. Him, <laughs> the boy can go. He can go. And he reminded me of when I first saw Matoma. I was like, "Oh, hello, yeah." So that 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 would be my. So t- he's a left-footed winger that plays on the left. He is, but he can go inside and outside because uh, he's just an absolute freak. <laughs> and he and I assume he could play on the right. I think I've watched him on the right. Anyway, um, Twa and uh, Girona are owned by City Football Group. Mm. So he's currently, God. yeah, he's currently on loan from a club who were like about to get relegated from Ligue 2 or something, uh, le- loaned out to a t- team on top of La Liga. It's, um, it's all a bit sus in mm. it. Um, both owned by City Group. So trying to get hold of them is difficult, but then it's like, if, if you've got a really great player in that system, surely the purpose is to take them to Man City, but at Man City, they've got Doku and Grealish. So like, what's the plan there? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd love to get a hold of it. It's, it's worth a try. It's worth inquiring because you don't know. But my feeling is that like City Football Group have trademarked him for, you know, earmarked him for some purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Cherky, who is um, maybe going to get relegated from Ligon <laughs> also. Uh, Leon, he plays more of a central role, but I think he'd be very good playing out wide as well. And uh, and then uh, Neto's out injured and Williams has signed a new contract and Matoma's signed a new contract and um, Zaragoza's going to Bayern. So so now we're, now we're getting a little low on numbers. Um, Bardi, do you think three signings in January is realistic given the amount of business Spurs usually do? Yeah, I think so. We did two once before with Bentancur and um, mm-hmm. Kulisewski. So I, I don't think three is... I think if we aim for three, we'll kind of settle on two. But I'd, I'd quite like us to see. If if we are where... If we remain in this position, we really kind of need it just to make sure we get there because I don't think anyone predicted Aston Villa being this strong. And, um, you know, there's still Chelsea, if they eventually sort themselves out, there's still Chelsea, Man United and Newcastle kind of floating around as, as well below us. There is a suggestion that Chelsea want to sell Conor Gallagher because of FFP concerns. And we know that we were in for him late in the summer window. I know positionally he doesn't match up to what we need. We need to prioritise a six rather than an eight. 
But what do you think the chances are of us going back in for Gallagher? So, yeah, I think um, this is interesting. We were linked back in the summer and I was a little more confused then because my feeling is, well, Skip just scored two goals against Barcelona and and then, you know, Saar scored that goal against United. So we've got players arriving in the box. You look at the success that Poscoglu had at Celtic, a significant aspect of that was, um, oh, I forgot his name, um, Matt. <laughs> I know who you mean. Oh, O'Brien? God. Dob- Dobson Smith. <laughs> no, he's... Um, O'Brien, no? Malcolm. O'Reilly. O'Reilly, that's it. I knew it was an O, I knew, oh, I knew it was an o name. Close. He plays for, for um, Denmark. Yeah, he plays for Denmark. Um, with a classic Danish surname, which is obviously why I couldn't recall it. Um, O'Reillyson. So he he especially, but also Hatate to a lesser extent, were significant arriving in the box to score goals. Um, and that's a significant part of, of you know, Angeball, which I guess we kind of been lacking. Hasn't really shown up. Like it started doing that. We started seeing that with Saar, but then he had to go, you know, do the do the uh, Sissoko thing of of babysitting right back, <laughs> which also makes sense for his for his skill set in terms of having space to operate in. Um, so I guess we kind of are missing that profile in the squads, but like it's way down in my opinion. Maybe maybe I'm just seeing something that I'm not in terms of oh we would just definitely have an extra two goals a game if there was a, a player arriving in the box here and arriving here. In my opinion, your doggy is doing a very good job doing that. Or maybe he really likes Bentancur as the six. You know, sure. You know, I thought I thought sure. Bentancur looked good there in in his his relatively few minutes. Um, yeah, I agree. Better than I expected. The thing is, my my view on Bentacore has always been he fits the eight profile, the Ange eight profile, so mm. nicely. He's really good at arriving in the box, as we saw last season with some excellent finishing. He's an incredible yeah. presser. I think it's one of his finest attributes. He's, you know, long stride, high energy, time to tackle well, doesn't give away too many free kicks. I love that for him. I love that role for him. But especially coming back from serious injuries, that six role might be the one he's being earmarked for, in which case I think Gallagher makes a hell of a lot more sense. Here's two things. <laughs> one, it's down the list of priorities, in my opinion. Although I see what you're saying about Pentacle playing number six, and then maybe things are slightly different in terms of where the gaps are and aren't. Two, um, if Chelsea needs to sell him because they're in trouble with financial fair play, let them suffer. Fuck them. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Like, I don't want to do them a favour, you know? If they've got themselves in a hole spending a billion pounds on 20-year-olds that they can't get on the pitch and Pochettino doesn't like, and but he does like Gallagher and they're trying to sell him out from us, you know, fuck him. Get, get them in trouble. Let them land in trouble. Let's not help them out. Let's not do them any favours. And then we'll pick them up on a free when, uh, you know, <laughs> when they get liquidated. Well, uh, we'll, we'll do a double deal with them. We'll have Gallagher and Madueke for 30 mil. <laughs> do you think he'd come back? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But I mean, 1v1 winger. Um, buddy, what, what's the position of priority for you? Um, it, I don't know. A midfielder. I wasn't expecting this question to come my way. I guess. I guess a, a central midfielder, Sel Huyberg. <laughs> I mean, that's been your that's, that's been your transfer priority for what five transfer windows now. So my objective is my objective. I'm sticking with it now. Do, do we need centre back cover? No. Do we need a winger <laughs> to, to get around a player and put crosses in? No. What we need is to get Hoybjerg out of my club. Priority number one. <laughs> I can't keep talking about it. I try my best, but then you don't keep bringing him up. <laughs> and he never gets injured. Like, what's that about? Cyborg. Should, should, 
Should be doing some study on him. Get that man's DNA. He slows and see down, doesn't got. he? When he's when he's when his body's done in, when he's redlining, yeah. he just his performance levels drop. When he was putting up four K minutes a season, he didn't get injured. He just he just slowed right down for safety. It's smart. Other players should preserve themselves similarly. He's like a he's like um, a Galapagos tur- a tortoise. You know, <laughs> you have these these flies or these butterflies that come out and they have to do all of their stuff in one day. Whereas Ashoibia just kind of just plods around and survives and like endures. He's he's just an enduring footballer that we just <laughs> need to get rid. Let's send him to Juve. They'd love an enduring footballer. He would be so at home there. Uh, last question. Just because Nathan mentioned Udogi getting in the box earlier, I like this one. Noel Fursman says, is Destiny Udogi going to start next season as a fullback or are we going to see a Gareth Bale-like transformation to an attacking player? Uh I mean, I think he is a perfect fit for the Ange left side fullback. I I love him in that role. He's doing a great job defensively, in my opinion, and he does pop up in the box. I I would like to see him be a little bit more decisive in in the final third. I think that's where he's probably lacking the most. But what a player, what talent. So much more to come. This is a kind of obsession of um, turning fullbacks into like forwards. Because when, when Bale did this, it, it was a different era of football. Fullbacks were still, you know, if you look back at the fullbacks, then they were still very kind of Gary Neville mode kind of players. Akoto, these kind of guys that would just hold the line, hold position and work the ball down the line. I think fullbacks have changed and become such a crucial part of how we play and especially how Ange plays. I think it would be a madness to take someone like Destiny or Poro out of a, a role where they're really excelling just because they, they fit the kind of profile of being a forward player, you know? Wendy, you're not very online anymore. Have you seen the uh, meme going around of the uh, debate guy rejecting some baity TikTok uh, uh, question? Do you know what I'm talking I about? I have not. Okay. Okay. So obviously, uh, there's so much context to unwrap here immediately. There's, there's, there's obviously <laughs> this trend of like people doing vox pops for TikTok content where they put a microphone on someone and they ask them some dog shit question and they pick the most extreme answers and they make a compilation video out of that. And there's um there's this, you know, dude on like a campus or whatever and he's going around, he's asking people a really awful contrived political question that's like, uh, would you rather have a strong economy or like LGBTQ rights or some some other nonsense, right? Yeah. And then uh and he uh, this guy comes up and he's got like the most the most two thousands forum poster energy you've ever seen in your life, right? He's got like a ponytail, he's got an old school Bluetooth earpiece in, he's got like a brown leather jacket that he's fiddling with the entire time, and he's like both. Right? And so <laughs> and so my answer to this question is is playing inverted fullback is an attacking player under Foster Poglu. Mm. That's it, isn't it? It is. There's no need for him to move position because he's already doing the attacking stuff. Uh, I think they're going to be a lot more goals from Udogi to come in the future. The thing is, like he he he's quite conservative when he's out wide. When he gets forward and he's out wide, he normally just wants to lay it off to a teammate and then find his way into the six yard box. And I think that bodes well for future goals. He would have been a terrible wing back under Conte. I'm, I'm putting my foot down on mm. this. He would have absolutely sucked. If he played at all, he would have fucking sucked. He's not interested in going on the outside and getting crosses in. That is not his game at all. Uh. All right, that'll do for this week. And um, this will be the last extra inch before Christmas. There'll be one out hopefully on the 27th, we think. 
Um, so have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, enjoy, hopefully, the, the Spurs game against Everton. Um, how are we feeling about that? Feeling okay? <laughs> <laughs> no Basuma, no Doggy. It's not ideal. And we've met a really galvanised Everton team as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Buddy, what are your Christmas plans? Um, I am at home celebrating with the family, doing some cooking. Sounds wonderful. How about you, Nathan? Uh, wearing my Angemus jumper. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nathan Clark. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub. We love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. 